Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Welcome to My Millennial Money. Uh, we don't sound like Glenn and John. <laughs> we don't. I feel like putting, uh, it's like I can visualize this strike through with the money and we're chucking careers on top. Yes, it is the careers takeover. My name is Shelley Johnson. I'm a HR consultant. Hey, Em. Hey, Shell. And I'm Emily Bowen. And I'm all about the world of recruitment. And I have to say, we are just so stoked to be hanging out with you today. Thanks for joining us. We're going to be answering all your career questions. But before we do... Yeah, before we start, we would like to thank our show partner, Tal. As one of Australia's leading life insurers, Tal can protect your biggest asset during a health crisis, your income, and ensure that money doesn't stop flowing in. Search Tal online, T-A-L, or speak to your financial advisor today about how Tal can protect you and your family. If you need an advisor, you can head over to sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. On the Facebook community, we've had a whole bunch of questions come through around a range of career issues. So we're just going to dive straight in and answer all these questions. You know, I like to kick it off by hitting you with a question first, Shell, when we do these community Q&A episodes. So up the top, I want to ask you the question from Richard. Richard's currently in a customer service role and he says he's still learning heaps. It's got an awesome culture. However, he's wondering, do I go and pursue the job I want in HR and risk losing this good culture or do I stay? And hey, I should let you know, he does have a degree in HR. Okay. So I'm assuming with Richard's scenario, he hasn't worked in HR before. He's done his studies in it. And it's good to know that he's still learning heaps in his current customer service role. It's also good to know that he must be a listener of My Millennial Career already and he understands the value of a good culture because we bang on about that on our show. And it is a risk. It is a risk to lose a good culture and pursue something else. And I think one of the things before we start getting to the tactical side of I want to start looking at a job in a different career is we have to go backwards and think about the strategic part of our career. So I would see our career having these two components. The first is the strategic side, and that relates to your values, your strengths, and the things that energize you. So let's think about those. There are strategic, that's the strategic kind of really deep part about our career. On the flip side, and I feel like I need to chuck a whiteboard in front of you at I the moment, Shell, because the hand gestures and I'm... the like air writing is going wild, but <laughs> I, it's working. Sorry. It's like, if you think about an infinity loop, we've got two sides to the infinity loop. The strategic, that's what I just talked about with those values, that values and strengths piece. And the second side, the hand, hands are, hand gestures are going everywhere. Second side is the tactical side or the practical components of your career. It's like building your network. It's your LinkedIn and the way that you apply for jobs and the types of jobs you pursue. 
So for Richard, I would say that before we start thinking about whether we want to move into HR, we want to do some of that deep strategic work when it comes to our career. And when I talk about the strategic work, I mean thinking about your values, what is important to you, what are those things that are the non-negotiables that you need to feel energised in your career and what are your strengths? So what are some of the top five things that you're super good at, the problems you solve, the value you add in employment and then look at those things against a HR job. So let's say you're looking at it against a HR advisor job. Come to those things and overlay your values and your strengths against what's in that type of career path and see if those align because you may find that they do or you may find that actually, no, I get more of those things met in a customer service role. But Em, what's your thoughts? What advice would you give to Richard? I've looked at this a slightly different way, Shell, and I guess I'm thinking, okay, let's pick up from there. Richard's worked out that yes, the values then the drivers that he has in his career that get him out of bed every morning do align to HR. What he's also confirmed and he shared this with us already is that an awesome culture is something he has and it sounds like that's not going to be easy to give up, which I totally appreciate. I would love to know, Richard, have you gone and asked your current employer if there's, a, if there's scope for you to have HR duties added to your role or if there's a HR department or if there's a view to create a HR position in the future, is that something that you could be considered for? And then maybe you're getting the best of both worlds. Next to that, I also would encourage you to do some research into where there might be another really awesome culture in another business that does already have an established HR team that you could join. I am like, I love that you're in a, in a business that has an amazing culture. Not all do, but there will be some out there, some other awesome cultures with HR that, again, you might find you can get the best of both worlds. If I can indulge a little further though, I I'm, I love this idea of like milk a company or milk a role. It sounds terrible, but you'll know what I mean once I've finished. Milk it for all it's worth before you move on. If you're still learning, and that's a really a key word for me in your question, Richard, you're still learning heaps, as you've put it, don't give that up easily either because once you move into HR, you'll be on a new learning curve, but why not make the most of the one that you've got at, you know, at your doorstep right now? HR will always be there. All right. Next question is from Georgia. Georgia asks, should I quit my stable, secure, well-paying job that's in a high stress and toxic workplace to pursue my small business side hustle full time? It would mean a decrease in pay, less secure work, but I'd be working 50% less and I can financially continue to pay the bills, save and live a decent life. I'm not sure if this is a smart or dumb option in the time of the great resignation and I really want to do it, but I don't want to end up replacing my workplace stress with financial stress. Oh, I feel like we're going to both have an opinion on this. As soon as I hear this idea of high stress, toxic workplace, get out. I just think it doesn't matter whether you're moving to your small business side hustle or you're going somewhere else. There is absolutely a case for being able to be a part of shifting culture and making the organization that you're a part of a better place to be. However, once we're at the point of living in high stress and we're describing the workplace as toxic, my concern would be that you're right. You, you are you are feeling the stress at the moment and the time that it would take 
for you and the energy it would take for you to be a part of turning that around and influencing it when you could alternatively be injecting that energy and passion and drive into this small business side hustle that it sounds like you're passionate about, well, uh, I feel like that that would be the better option. I was doing a coaching call the other day, Em, and this particular issue came up with a person where they were they have this beautiful idea for a small business and they're kind of doing it, they work full time and they're trying to do it on the side and they're in an environment that they're, it's probably not at the point of toxic, but there's some unhealthiness to it. And she was just saying, oh, should I stay in this job um, knowing that I kind of have an income and just be working on the side? I'm like, how much energy are you putting into your business? She's like, oh, like I just do it at night on the weekends. I'm like, and is that your best work? So like, no. I'm like, where's your best work going? To the business. And and where's how far is that getting you? She's like, well, not really anywhere in terms of her career because she doesn't want to be there long term. And I guess this is a really similar scenario. If you're in be- investing your best energy levels, your best work into something that you would say is toxic or is really emotionally draining and taxing, then and then trying to, on the side, do something that you're really passionate about, you're never going to be able to push it as far as you could if you actually go, well, look, I'm, I'm going to take the risk, I'm going to opt out, but the reward, if this goes well, is going to be far higher than me just investing all this energy into something that I think is a bit of a sinking ship. I would add that it sounds like, Georgia, you've already got this small business side hustle up and running maybe part-time because you've talked about moving to that full-time. So that momentum that you've created, as Shell has just said, investing your energy and not only investing more of your energy, but investing better quality energy when you're not also battling the stress that you're, you've got in your workplace at the moment. I think that this is the best time. Well, you're going to be able to have the best crack at it possible. I would add, uh, we should touch on this great resignation piece we never have a crystal ball. So no matter which time you pick Georgia, and I dare say that this is going to be unfinished business for you unless you have a go at some point and who knows what's going to happen. Sure, we need to do a bit of a risk assessment anytime we're making a big career decision, but we will never have all the information. And I'd put it simply, I wouldn't let the great resignation of my understanding of it weigh too heavily on this decision for you. Mickey, thank you for your question. Shell Mickey has asked, how do you decide if you want to pursue a management role or pathway in the future? And if so, are there any tips that we can give for beginning to work out the steps and the planning process to get there? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. And it's probably a question we all face in our careers because you've got kind of two, I guess, trajectories. If you're in a decent size organisation, you could probably either follow a leadership and management pathway or kind of follow a specialist pathway where you go deep into your skill set and become um, more senior in that way. And for Mickey, I'd be saying the things to look out for if you want to pursue a management role is, again, it comes back to what what do you think energises you? Are you energised by helping team members solve problems, solve complex problems or solve Um, workload or resourcing problems. They're the types of things that leaders and managers are doing. The other thing is, do you like coaching people? Do you like helping people achieve their potential? Now, I do want to say there's a really important distinction here. 
people leadership and people management is not project management. They're very different. If you're really energized by helping a person achieve their potential, chances are you have a great leadership fit because leaders aren't so much all about um, executing so much as they're about enabling a team to execute. And that is really different. Personally, from my own leadership experience, I found that hard. Like my tendency, I've got a few control confessions. I've got a few control freak tendencies. And so I've been more around, let's manage the project. Let's get those outcomes. And that stuff's great. And it is needed in a leadership role for sure. But it's probably less important than how you enable and coach and develop other people to actually do the work. What's your thoughts on that, Em? It's funny. I read this question from Mickey and I'm thinking, okay, how do you decide if you want to pursue a management role? Or pathway, and I'm going. Oh, I was asking myself that question after I became a manager, <laughs> like when when I really knew what was involved, because it is one of the biggest shifts that you will make going from being responsible for yourself and your outcomes and a whole lot of doing to being responsible for and accountable to the work of other people and doing a whole let, whole lot less doing and a whole lot more thinking. Uh, it reminds me on um, our podcast, we interviewed Shane Hatton, he's a leadership expert, and he talked about this idea of becoming a leader and figuring out if you want to be a leader is like a transition on a plane. So when you're a passenger on the plane, you know how the plane works, you know how you've, you've been on a plane a bazillion times as a passenger, but just because you're a passenger doesn't mean you're a pilot, doesn't mean you know how to fly the plane. And he describes the transition to leadership like going from becoming a passenger to becoming the pilot. And it is a whole shift in skill set. And to Em's point, Mickey, sometimes you don't know until you try it. So actually giving it a go, there's so many times in our career where we need to just give something a go, step in the deep end and figure it out on the fly. But really just thinking about, do I like helping other people succeed? Because as a leader, it's not about you and your own success. It's about the success of the team. And if you make the decision to pursue a management role, you make it into that position and then to Shell's point, you decide that it's not for you. You are only one decision away from not being in a manager role anymore. So we should just touch on, uh, you know, how do you work out the steps to get there and, and how do you plan to be to sort of become a manager, what does that process look like? I'm a huge fan of finding opportunities to have a go at managerial or leadership types of responsibilities before you get that promotion. And that can be through uh, secondment or filling in for your manager while they're on leave. Or it can also just be little mini moments from one day to the next where you run a meeting or you see a gap in a project for somebody to step up and be proactive and take initiative and lead the path. And that can be you. You may also like to investigate the LinkedIn profiles of people in management and leadership roles in your industry and understand what qualifications they have, what sorts of experience have they received, or to even have a conversation with those people or with people who are in management roles in your business to understand well, what does that particular organisation look for in somebody that they promote to a leadership role? 
Exactly. And there's also some good learnings you can do before. So start reading any books on leadership that you can find to actually start building up your knowledge base of going, how do I want to create my leadership skill set or my management skill set? So obviously we we love Brene Brown's Dare to Lead, Liz Wiseman's Multipliers. And what other books are you reading at the moment on leadership? I really like, there's actually um, a book called Extreme Ownership and it's written by two US Navy SEALs. Ooh, wow. And that one is, uh, it's quite phenomenal because it just is teamwork and accountability in the most intense situations. So extreme ownership, uh, I would definitely put up there. Simon Sinek is somebody who is well known to most of us that have explored leadership in the past and I think a really nice entry point for somebody who's just starting to get to know that part of their career. Beautiful. Next question is from Venus and it's about mentorship. So she's a HR advisor and she'd love to know where she can go to grow in her competencies and be considered for leadership roles in the future. Now, we'll answer this obviously for Venus in a HR space, but this will be relevant for anyone about how they can grow their capabilities and skill sets and eventually move into leadership. Now, we've just given you a heap of advice on that. So, start reading those books, start looking on LinkedIn for people's profiles. And what else? What's some of the things that you'd be encouraging Venus to do? If we're niching down into that human resources space, there is uh, the Australian Human Resources Institute or ARI as it's known amongst our community. They have a wealth of uh, support and information and skills development material, whether that be their mentoring program, workshops or reading material. And so I would encourage you, Venus, uh, you're possibly already a member of ARI if you're not become one and that will be be a really nice place for you to connect with other HR professionals, but also to stay on the forefront of what is happening in that industry. And to extend that, I would uh, be pretty confident to say that all industries would have a body of that sort. So if you're not sure what yours is, if you're working in construction, engineering, or accounting, whatever it might be, uh, a little bit of Googling should help you out and to find the equivalent of RE in your industry. And one of the things around growing your competencies, sometimes it's really helpful in that technical space to go, well, what would be considered the ideal skill set for this particular role? So if I want to be in, you know, eventually in a CFO role, for example, well, what are the capabilities and competencies that are needed at that level? And so it might be, you know, strategic financial management, there'll be all different ones. And then you start to get essentially your career map towards that. Okay, well, if I want to be a CFO, here's the core skill sets that those people in those roles have. Now I have my goals, essentially. How do I build up my strategic financial management capability? How do I build up my communication? Because one of the things that will make a CFO stand out is their ability to communicate complex things to non-financial people. And Em's smiling because she's like, yes, 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 agree, 100%. Absolutely. And so finding those, those things for your future role that you're aiming for, and then you work backwards. Okay, well then how do I get exposure? Because one of the things to build up your experience is to get exposure to doing that. So once you know that role, you're taking that to your manager to say, hey, here's where I'd love to be in, you know, five, 10 years time. Is there any opportunity for me to get exposure to this? Could I sit with 
this person and see how their day works and really do what I would call like shoulder to shoulder learning where you're on the job learning about a particular skill set that maybe you, you don't have right now and you get to learn by doing. And one of the things we talk a lot about on My Millennial Career is that you need to find opportunities to do the job before you get the job. How can you do that on the job learning that's going to look really good on your resume, look really good to your manager and enable you to get the experience before you've got the job title? I would recommend also use your network and continue to build and maintain your network. So that could be online through LinkedIn. It could be through networking committees and groups that are in your local area. There are many examples I know I've come across uh, where I work or in the region that I work in where there might be like a local business chamber type group or a young professionals type group and they run events which are amazing to attend. And if you attend regularly and consistently the same ones, then you'll build your reputation, you'll meet wonderful people and you will build your communication skills and other competencies that are really relevant to leadership roles. But I would encourage you if you if you are genuinely driven to follow this path and you want to take it seriously and stand up for the rest, then you need to join that organising committee, join that board and actually be a part of that typically volunteer group that brings the rest of the community together as well. We're hitting that halfway mark. So we're going to take a little break at this point. And when we return, we will answer Jaden, JP and Micah's questions. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
we're back. And before we dive into those final three questions, just to give you a little taster of what you can expect if you come on over and visit us at My Millennial Career, we've been talking about bouncing forward from tough feedback. We've been talking- Oh, that was such a banger. Oh, it was a real banger. It was was, real. You were the muse, the inspiration for that one (laughs) after some recent events. Yes. Uh, We've also been talking about how to build your confidence. We are sharing Em and Shell's biggest career fails. Oh, it gets so real. We're all about the like confessionals and just, (laughs) you know, chucking ourselves out there on the plank. Uh, and finally, just to give you another little taste tester, we love the topic of pay. So we're often talking about how to get a pay rise and you'll find plenty of good info on My Millennial Career if you're coming up to the new financial year and thinking that might be on the radar. All right. Next question is from Jaden. Jaden's asking, should he stay as a casual employee or go full time while looking for the job he loves? And just a side note, he's in his 20s. Nice. So at the start of his career, perhaps maybe just finished some study. We are big advocates for permanent employment, mm. and we've we've call us old school. Oh, well, perhaps it feels a little bit old school, but for good reason. Yes, that's right. There is something really nice about the security and benefits, the entitlements that you receive when you are full time. So when you're permanent, and So much of that is to do with your salary and your leave entitlements and and the safety net that that brings. But if you're planning, so particularly in Jaden's instance, where he is looking for the job he loves, so he's not necessarily planning for the role that he's in at the moment to be his forever role, it also gives you more of a buffer at the back end when you're planning your exit strategy and you, for example, need to give notice. So, When you're a permanent full-time employee, you will be required when you resign to give a certain period of notice. That gives you a bit of a buffer, as I say. But similarly, if for any reason the organization that you're working for needed to end your employment, they also need to give you notice as well. So we could probably bang on about this and Shell, you should rattle off some of the reasons why you also advocate for full-time permanent employment rather than casual employment. But for me, it just comes down to that sense of security and that safety net that we get. Yeah, I don't think there's anything really I would add to that. I just agree. And I think looking for the job you love, I often think on a, I don't know, is this old school? And tell me if it is, but I think to potential employers on your resume, having a full-time job may look more appealing, but is that the case? I don't know. That's fair. Yeah. So rightly or wrongly, there's this saying that is, it's easier to get a job when you've got a job. And I feel like this is an extent, what you've proposed is an extension of that. If you are demonstrating to your future employer that your current employer is committed to you and they are like, we need to lock Jaden in, like we love him, which is the assumption you make when someone is permanent as opposed to casual work, which is more transactional and doesn't feel like as strong a commitment, then I think there's absolutely that subtlety and that subconscious, oh, he must be good. You know, they haven't wanted to lose him. They've wanted to lock him down that comes with that full-time permanent um, employment arrangement. Love it. All right, next one. (laughs) This is a good one. Asking for a friend of a friend, JP and Rachel Chow. Uh, (laughs) We've got some Simo employees, if you don't know, uh, some of Glenn's employees who are asking about money. And I know uh, 
Glenn in the past has said, let's talk about how to ask for a pay rise and asks his staff to turn off the podcast at this point. But, you know, here we go. We're running the show today. So yeah, we're going to drop all the <laughs> truth bombs. You make your bed and you lie in it, Glenn James, <laughs> with this My Millennial Career Host Takeover. So let's tell the uh, Simo team how to get more money. Hey? Yeah, well, they're wondering, how do I know how much I'm worth? Or, you know, how much value do I bring to an organisation? And where this stems from is we have banged on about the fact that when you are looking for a pay increase, you need to be able to put your case forward. You need to be able to design a business case of sorts that says, here's the value that I bring and and this is why I feel like I can really justify this request for more money, please. Uh, but what's interesting, I loved this. Um, so JP actually asked that question initially and then Rach has jumped in and gone, yeah, yeah, like specifically for people who work in admin roles. And please. this is, I, I love this example because if you're in sales or in any kind of metric driven role that connects to the actual core business, it's a lot easier to show your um, value in financial terms. If you're kind of in an administrative or a support role, like anything that maybe um, doesn't deal with the front end customers side of things, it can be difficult to show your value. But hear us, we want to give you the tools to make sure that you can connect the two. And every job creates value. It's just about figuring out how to communicate it and how to express it in terms that your employer will understand. So, one of the first things we want to do is to do our research. So we've talked about this on My Millennial Money. We've talked about this on My Millennial Career. Do your research. Have a look at what's happening in the market. Search Hayes, search Glassdoor, search Seek. Get as much data on salary figures as possible. The more, the, the merrier, really, because put them in a spreadsheet, find find that range of how much people are paid externally. And then you start to get a sense of that financial value. But then we want to move beyond that. So it's we've got that dollar figure, maybe the range of what people are paid, and we know where we sit in relation to that. And then we want to go and start to show, okay, well, in my role, there's a, a number of things that I do to add value. So if I think about HR, for example, because that's a back-end kind of function, it's not connected to like generating revenue. No, often you guys in HR are spending more money. (laughs) Yeah, we're costing the business. Um, It's not quite that simple. I'm being cheeky. So one of the things that I would do in my job is show, well, employee turnover has dropped from, you know, 30% to 15%. And the average cost of someone leaving is, let's say, 50 grand a person. And so if I look at how many people we've saved in terms of reducing turnover, that saved the business 500 grand. And that's showing dollar figure value. Here's here's the things I did to enhance culture, to enhance employee experience, and therefore I've saved the business this much money. As such, I would like to be paid 10% more this year. And so that's a shortcut, brief version every role, you should be able to quantify your value somehow. So it's about coming to really narrowing it down. I've saved the business this much time by implementing this system or process. And therefore, we're able to reinvest our time in towards X. Yeah, let's talk about that word time. Because for you, Rach, in an administrative role, I always think of administrators who are the ones who are really good at their job. They are constantly in that continuous improvement, efficiency creating mode. And they will come into a role and they will see how it's always been done and they will 
overhaul and streamline and tweak and adjust to the point that there's then that uh, capacity to take on more because things are being done in a more simplified, quicker way. And they're not just, it's really uh, good admin people are the best people. Like oh. We were talking about this before like this episode, like when you find them, you're like, I cannot live without them. They are so important to the success of the business. And be- I think it's because what they do has a multiplier kind of effect. That's not the right word I'm looking for, but you know what I mean? Where it's not just about creating their own efficiencies, but the processes that they enhance have an efficiency to be gained for every person in that business. It's it's this backbone idea. The whole business stands on the strength of that that function. And so Rach and JP, but Rach, you specifically called out this admin piece. When your role is not directly related to money generating activities and it's not as easy to quantify in that way, we would recommend that you think of money as time and so quantify your business case in regards to time, which you can then attach a monetary value to. And one more thing just to really, not, not that we need to hit it home any further, but the most businesses, their highest cost is staffing. So their biggest cost is staffing. Good leaders don't want to lose good people because they know it's very expensive to replace them. So just being able to show, here's how I've enhanced the, like, you know, here's how I've created efficiency for the business. You can show your worth and make sure you have the conversation. Have that conversation around pay. Don't um, delay. We think these conversations are some of the most important ones you can have. So just get amongst it. And, 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 my turn. <laughs> uh, there are some, like, when we talk about have the conversation, please go and listen to our episodes on how to ask for a pay rise because there are some really uh, important ways to go about that. So we have talked now about how to quantify, but we need you to go and listen to learn how to set up that conversation and succeed. Uh, but, and, 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 I would also like to add that if you are, you know, I'm picking on this admin role, but if you are in a position where we're, we're recommending that you quantify based on time and you create efficiencies and streamline, do not, please do not be afraid of doing yourself out of a job. If you're able to, you know, take it from a five day a week role to a four day, day a week role, what your employer will see is the opportunity to do the things that aren't being done and to take the business to the next level because all of a sudden we found a day in the week and what else can we be getting you to do with that that adds even more value? Okay, take a breath. That was we get we get on a roll with some of these questions, and that one was you know a little bit of a trigger for it us. Was fun. I think uh, the final question that we have has come from Mika. Mika's asked us, "How do I set goals in my career? You know those quarterly catch ups where they ask for your goals for the next quarter. I just don't know how to approach them." Yeah, how to set goals in your career? I I think if we use that example we talked about earlier, where you know, say you want to be a CFO or say you want to be a marketing consultant, whatever it is that you want to do, think about that longer term view and maybe define a role. Sometimes it does help to go, this is what the role I would like to be in at this point. What you do there, Mika, is you, you, we are working backwards. So those goals, we want to create smaller little milestones along the way. I would love to know what they, what role they're in currently and what they're aiming for because we could do like an in-depth case study into how to mm. get there. But let's say it's you're currently a marketing coordinator and you want to move into being the head of marketing. So what we have is we have a, where we are now in relation to where we want to be. And then we start to set some smaller milestones along the way. 
I think the first thing we need to do is understand what the head of marketing role looks like. What is involved in the day-to-day? What's involved in terms of qualifications, skill set and capabilities? And then we have that really clear future vision. Absolutely. This becomes your to-do list. I would encourage you to go and look up on LinkedIn and on Seek the job ads and the profiles associated with a head of marketing role find the common themes and that becomes your to-do list. So for example, you may have studied a Bachelor of Business with a marketing major to get into your marketing coordinator role at the beginning of your career. You might identify though that the head of marketing has completed qualifications in technology because we all know that that's where marketing is heading more into that data analytics and tech space. And so you don't need to do it tomorrow. You don't even need to do it next week. There's plenty of time and space between a coordinator and a head of marketing role. What you will do though is you will identify, okay, that needs to happen within the next 10 to 15 years. And in order for that to happen, I need to save to be able to afford to go and do that study. Or I need to talk to my employer to see if they'd help help fund well, it. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Because one of the things it, that is really helpful in any career conversations, most employers and most leaders want to help you grow. I, I hope that's true. Do you think that's true? <laughs> maybe. I feel like maybe it's not true everywhere, but if we assume the best intent. Yeah, I think if you're working in a good organisation – those things tend to be true. If you're in a toxic culture, like some of the people who have sent through questions, then, you know, chances are that's not evident. What I'd like to segue to, perhaps not too seamlessly though, is that not only do we have those career goals that we can apply this formula to that are role-based, you may also find that your goals are set in the type of lifestyle that you'd like to have. That might be that you would, your goal is actually to secure a part-time role. Your goal might be to have a position where you're able to go on a particular number of holidays a year or that you're able to secure a certain level of financial freedom. Although, Mika, you have asked specifically about what I can take to my quarterly catch-ups, I would encourage anybody who is setting their goals for their career in the future to think more holistically and have some of those goals that you are supported by your manager in achieving and these are the ones that you take to your quarterly catch-ups. You might also, though, have other goals that sit around those and and that they feed each other that are your personal goals. And these will be your guiding light. Once you have those goals set, these will be your guiding light in order to make decisions through the next quarter, through the next year and beyond. So, look, we could talk for days about how to set goals based on your values. I would instead encourage you to go and, again, just have a listen to some of the episodes that we've already done where we've talked about those things because... Uh, we probably make it sound easier than it is, but it just remember you can always change your mind. Your goals can always be moving and it's as much to do with trial and error and experimenting and finding your way. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for hanging out. We really loved being able to take over My Millennial Money today. Yeah, really appreciate you guys having us. Uh, we've really come in and sort of hijacked your ears. So we hope that you might come and have a listen to us over on My Millennial Career, but if not appreciate the opportunity to come and uh, hang out with you. Awesome. All right. Well, if you enjoy the show, make sure you leave a five-star rating and review. And thanks for hanging out. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. 
We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.